0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's SYLVAN29.com.
1: What's ever, everybody? It is the APC Podcast. Coming at you once again, fresh off a of bye week. Actually, I don't feel that fresh, but that's a that's a different story. Alex, I already see you smirking as I'm fumbling through the intro to the show, getting back on the saddle after the Packers. And we took a uh, took the weekend to to reflect. Um, I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC Pod on Twitter and as well on Instagram for literally no. Reason I am joined, not by the usual cohort, but a a triumvirate of a distinguished gentleman nonetheless. Firstly, Alex Patakis, dressed for winter weather inside your house. How are you doing, man?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, Appropriate bi-week rust there to knock off uh, within the first uh, three to four seconds. Um, Not knocking it, but uh, I'm good. I'm in a room that's about like 40 degrees for some weird reason. Um, and last time I turned the heat on in this room, it smelled like the home was going to burn down. So I'm just going to tough it out. Um, it
1: sounds like a winter in a New York apartment.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically like zero insulation. This building was built in 1900, I believe. So, yeah. you know, or the heat
1: is, or the heat is blasting such that you need to have your window open all winter. That was always my, <laughs> my experience.
2: Yeah. Um, that's fun. Well, I'm not going windows open cause it's also pouring rain and has been all day. So Anyway, no one wants to hear about the weather. We want to hear about the Packers. And we get a little floor <laughs> flag this week because we didn't lose.
1: There you are. <laughs>
2: we wave the flag, visual medium for our audience. I'm sure much enjoyed.
1: Yes, yes exciting listening for people who cannot <laughs> see the uh the video chat that we have. But we as well are joined, pinch hitting for Ben Foley, who I think is in Washington, DC, on assignment with his for real's job uh <laughs> this week is uh our fearless leader. We call him our corporate overlord, a little tongue-in-cheek. He's the managing uh, editor over at AcmePackingCompany.com, keeps the lights on uh, for us here and has uh, foolishly, foolishly allowed us to make this podcast uh, and put it on his blog for a few years now. It is Evan Tex Western. How are you, man?
3: I am well. I, uh, it's fitting that you say pinch hitting because I think about two-thirds of my at-bats in high school baseball were pinch hitting because I was never good enough to crack the starting lineup. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sitting here with a glass of whiskey and ready to talk some Packers.
1: That's what that is. That looks like a, a fancy glass. Can you hold that up? Yeah, there
3: you go. Oh,
2: wow. Is that like a tulip glass? It's a nice
3: little uh, tasting glass I got from one of the tours I did down in the bourbon trail this summer. Took a, a long weekend down to Kentucky and had a good time.
2: Damn. Nice. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's got that little like rounded shape mm-hmm. to uh, waft the aromas toward your palate. You know, that's... Uh... <laughs> Are you also wearing an SB Nation T-shirt right now?
3: I am absolutely. I'm wearing our our Acme Packing Company T-shirt. There you so go. You can you can find those at the site if you are so inclined.
2: Company man. All right. So are you always a whiskey neat guy, or is this like a post Aaron Rodgers thing? Now that he's like so public about uh, needing his his scotch after a game.
3: It was it was post vacation to Scotland about two and a half years ago that oh, wow. uh, that's when my, my palate started to develop.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm also a, a whiskey neat guy, I'm more bourbon, but, uh, I wonder, uh, I don't actually think Aaron Rodgers has a drinking problem, but I did notice at <laughs> some point over the last like two years that, uh, that he just like, it just started one day that he was going to work in a scotch mention into every single press conference, at least once, at least once it happens. Um, but anyway, we got a lot to get to today. We are going to talk a little Aaron Jones usage, and uh, as well, we will be presenting your Packer fan regular season rooting guide. Who should you be rooting for or against uh, around the league to improve the Packers playoff position? We'll also, per usual, do a little bit uh, of a mailbag session. We got some questions flying in from the old Twitter machine, but before that, um, did you guys have a productive bye week text? How did you spend your Packers list weekend?
3: I went car shopping with my girlfriend. So that was exciting. We, uh, we at least made a decision. So that's, that's a big step. And then, uh, had to got family coming in for Thanksgiving. So just kind of getting the house in order, um, putting up some Christmas decorations and, and the like. So yeah, productive is is probably a good word.
1: You're going with the uh, 1989 Toyota Corolla. Am I, am I right? Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what about you? How'd you spend your weekend?
2: Oh man. Uh, I, I just ate a lot, really, is what I did. I don't know. Uh, I, I tried to watch. I really did. I tried to watch Texans-Ravens first because that was on here locally. Um, And I thought that was going to be like two MVPs going at it. And then I realized, like, one, a non-Packers game, like, start to finish, I just can't do. Like, it's just like, it's just <laughs> totally impossible. Like, it just bores me. Um, And it had nothing to do with the fact that the Ravens, like, blew out the Texans because, you know, I was like the beginning of the game and it was still very much in doubt uh so i tried that bailed on it tried patriots eagles bailed on it and um yeah i just yeah so i I, mostly not screw it let me eat some food (laughs) yeah exactly just i kept finding meals to have to occupy my time
1: (laughs) well as we move into the holiday season i like to think of that as it's a training regimen to you know get your stomach to expand to the uh, appropriate size, it's going to need to be for um, as we head into Thanksgiving and and other relevant uh, food intake related holidays.
2: <laughs> of course, yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Uh, well, we teased it a moment ago. Who should you root for in uh, in all of the random NFC games for the rest of the year to most benefit the Packers? That's kind of a mouthful. So we're going with the regular season rooting guide. That's a little little catchier. And and text. Uh, this is your brainchild. So I will uh, yield it over to you. Is this uh, an article series you're cooking up for the blog or, or what's going on?
3: Yeah. You know, it started off as, as just something to do to kind of carry us through the bye week and have a little bit of content this weekend, but uh, we got a little feedback um, in the comments and I think I'm going to do it every week, the rest of this, this season um, because obviously in a, the Packers being in a position to be fighting for playoff spots and uh, potentially a first round buy and home field. Um, I want to make sure we know who we need to be supporting on, on a week-to-week basis here. So um, the, the way I'm looking at it right now is there's probably three or four legitimate contenders for that, those top two spots. Um, obviously, the Packers are in there, the 49ers, the Saints. And I did the math today, and I found out that there is a pathway that the Packers could win, all, win out all the rest of their games and not get home field. Um, and that's if Seattle also wins out. Um, somehow they would end up with a, a tiebreaker way down the chain and, and they could end up getting the, the top seed if both teams go 14 and 2. Wow! So um, keep keep an eye out, but we will be, um, let's just say the Panthers, I think, are going to be a big help. Um, they got a couple of games against the Saints coming up. Um, the fact that there are a couple of games between those teams fighting for those playoff spots, um, there's a, a Saints 49ers game in there. I think there's also a Vikings-Seahawks game that, uh, should help somewhere in there as well. So there's, uh, there'll be some, some real interesting matchups there as these, these next couple weeks go along. Um, and, and the, the results of these first couple, couple weeks games, um, are kind of depend, going to be determining of, of who we're going to be rooting for in, you know, weeks 16, 17.
1: I don't know how much of the Seahawks you have, uh, actually watched this year, as we talked about on the show, Uh, recently I did get to see the the end of that Seahawks 49ers game that was the first Seahawks football I had actually seen all year Um, (laughs) what a mess that was too that was yeah that was a that was a hot mess but um, so the the Seahawks uh, for our benefit here and for the listeners for the rest of the way it looks like they are at Eagles they host the Vikings they are at Rams at Panthers then they host the Cardinals and, uh, then they host the 49ers to close out the season. So not impossible for them to go, uh, to, to run the table, so to speak, but, uh, seems a little bit of a tall order now.
3: Yeah, you'd think so. Um, that road game against Philly next week is, is the game that got swapped out of Sunday night football for the the Packers 49ers game. Um, so that'll be a long trip and a, now it's a one o'clock Eastern game. So the. You know, I'm always a little leery of those West Coast teams playing on in the early time slot when they're going all the way across the country. Um, Seattle's actually done a pretty decent job of it this year. But uh that that I think is um that's a that's a, a a possibility there for a loss. Um obviously Minnesota is still still a really solid team, um, notwithstanding the fact that they almost lost to Denver this past weekend. Um, and then certainly Niners at the end of the season and and who knows with With Seahawks Rams, there's always some screwy stuff going on there as well.
1: You mentioned that it's going to be a weekly uh, series. Can we sort of look ahead to this weekend's games, who the uh, Packers fans should be paying attention to?
3: Yeah, the big one would be probably Panthers Saints um, with the Vikings on a bye and the Packers being able to take care of their own business against San Francisco. Um, That Carolina New Orleans game is probably the biggest, highest leverage game for Green Bay that, that doesn't involve them on Sunday night. So um, if Carolina could somehow pull an upset of New Orleans in New Orleans, um, that'd certainly be a, a huge help um, and, and could, you know, if the Packers are able to, to win in San Francisco, give them a full game edge up on the saints in addition to, to having the tiebreaker. And then that, uh, that Seattle Eagles game, um, that'll be another big one. Again, that one getting moved to the early slate. Um, hopefully that one will be on in, in a lot of the country. Uh, I think that should probably be the the best matchup on Fox in, in that early time slot. So Fingers crossed that uh, that Philly can can find a way to pull off a a win against Seattle there.
1: Alex, are you any more likely to watch uh, an entire wire to wire non Packers game if it, if it's meaningful for the Packers <laughs> no. playoff? No, no, <laughs> hard. I, no. I think
2: I could do playoffs. I think I could do. I think I could do playoffs. But um, week seventeen, might on, be last it.
1: week. <laughs> no, nothing.
2: <laughs> okay, if it, if it was like uh- maybe then maybe then? week sixty, even no. still, it might be tough. <laughs> No, but it's it's funny because like I, I think that uh you know the team I mean obviously the Packers can handle their own business against the Forty ers So the team you know, the Forty Niners I I are in the category very much of a team we probably want to root against for this season. But like if if the Packers can't have home field advantage, the Forty ers are the team I really want to have it, right? Because like of all of those teams that we're like talking about rooting against right now. They seem like a hundred percent the most fraudulent, so like if we had to go on the road in the playoffs, I think going to San Francisco is where I would most want to go. I want no part of the Seahawks, so like I really hope that they they are just like a wild card team um Russell Wilson's been like out of his mind i just, I, I don't know why, but I looked at his numbers today for the first time all season. The guy's thrown two interceptions yeah, and leads the league year. in touchdowns and is actually um played a game fewer than I think a lot of people because they already had their bye, if I'm not mistaken. Like, Kirk Cousins is behind him, but Kirk Cousins is about to go on a bye. It's just absolutely insane. Um, And we'll talk about the Niners in detail later, but, like, I'm very pro-Niners other than this weekend. Like, if the Packers can't get home field themselves. But if they win out, like Tex was saying, I didn't realize that that means that they would get in over the Niners. So, essentially, I'm rooting for the Packers and Niners because all of those other teams, like... Going to New Orleans sounds absolutely miserable. Going to Seattle sounds totally miserable. Going to San Francisco, I mean, I, we'll get a little preview this weekend, but I could, get, I could very much get on board with a little uh, Aaron Rodgers in Northern California warm-weather game in January. Yep.
1: What about the Vikings, Tex? The Vikings, uh, with that comeback win on Sunday, are eight and three right now. Uh, as Al- Alex mentioned, heading into their bye, really nipping at the Packers' heels, and the Packers really—they can't afford uh, a slip up here.
3: No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, that you know, a loss in San Francisco drops Green Bay back into a, a virtual tie. Obviously, they've got the head-to-head, but um, you know, and at that point, unfortunately, you probably have to look at that that Vikings Seahawks game um as one to to maybe give the Packers a little bit of cushion obviously you'd love to see Green Bay win in Minnesota in week 16 um but unless I'm mistaken they have not won at U.S. Bank Stadium yet since since that building opened correct um I I think that's right so um certainly a, a tough place to play Minnesota's playing really well um aside from the first 30 minutes on Sunday but uh yeah they're they're looking dangerous and um
2: it would be foolish to count them out at this point. That's for sure. Those damn Broncos. Can yeah. we just talk about <sighs> the, the, the last three play calls <laughs> of that game? Okay. So I did watch this because they, they's CBS here in New York switched over to that game after they realized like, there's no point in watching Lamar Jackson run up the score. So uh, that final drive for the Broncos, I maybe I'm misremembered. Did they just call like three straight, like fade routes in the end zone or back shoulder fade? Like when are teams going to just not, do that like in the red zone <laughs> and if you do it don't do it on like all three of your downs oh that drove me mad i was so pissed
1: and i can confirm that the packers have yet to win in in u.s bank stadium tex uh you are you are correct about that let's uh let's move on and uh tex uh, i'm not just sucking up it's uh it's just that you've got so much awesome stuff going on at the blog that uh we want to pick your brain you know while, while we have you here so today as we record this, you've just dropped an article called "quote The Packers have kept Aaron Jones fresh in 2019, but it's time to let him off leash." End quote. Can you uh, sort of give us the Cliff's Notes overview of of this piece? Yeah,
3: it, it all started this morning when I saw a piece by Bill Bill Barnwell and uh, over on ESPN talking about all the the different playoff contenders in the NFC, and he pointed something out that that I found crazy, and it's that in the snaps when Aaron Jones is on the field and Jamal Williams is not. The Packers are basically the best offense in football on a per-play basis. Um, that's looking at expected points added per play. Um, they're averaging almost a, a .2 points per play um, positive with Jones on the field, which would be the best offense in all of football. But with Williams on the field and Jones off off the field, they're actually a negative Net net negative on offense, just under uh what's 0.05 uh EPA loss per play. Uh and that's about equivalent to like the Giants offense in like 25th place. So what I, I tried to dig a little bit into the numbers and figure out, well, why is that? When both guys have a pretty comparable yards per carry average right now, they're both sitting about four and a half. Um Williams has um he's got all those touchdowns, but uh you know Jones has a bigger yards per reception average. And, and I kind of dug into it and, and found that um, a lot of it kind of comes down to this concept of success rate. So whereas Jones leads the NFL in success rate, so that's getting a certain number of yards relative to how far you have to go on first down, second down, and, and third down. Um, Jamal Williams is about uh, middle of the pack basically. And so he's, he's been the little more boomer bust guy. And Jones is the guy who's been given the Packers consistent, steady production. And I kind of thought back to about the rest of this season and and you, you really think about it and you realize Aaron Jones is the bigger matchup nightmare of those two. And so I think that some of that has to do with defenses not really being able to, uh, to adjust to Jones. Um, Certainly when he's split out wide or, or um, in the slot that, that that creates some, some matchup issues that Williams doesn't on the perimeter and, and just generally makes the offense hum a little bit more effectively. So um, tried to dig into the numbers a little bit. I looked at DVOA a bit. Um, both of those guys, as far as rushing and receiving goes, um, but but Jones is is sitting as the third most efficient rushing running back in the NFL right now, behind just Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, pretty damn good. And I'm pretty sure wow, yeah. his his rookie year is it, one of the last two years. I think he was top three also, um, just in in limited carries. So as far as a, a an efficiency perspective goes, he's been. One Obviously, one of the very best backs in the league. Um, Williams has been more efficient as a receiver, at least based on DVOA. But I think a lot of that comes down to the touchdowns because his yards per reception are significantly lower than than Jones's are. So it's just kind of an interesting look at what makes each of these guys tick. But my general argument comes down to this, and it's that in these big games you know, against San Francisco, which has a, a really good pass defense, kind of average rushing defense, and then against Minnesota when when Jones already had a big game against them earlier this season. Um, I, I think instead of being a, a two to one split of carries and touches, I'd like to see it be more of a, a 75-25 and 80-20 split and really give Jones the ball um down the stretch here because he's he's been kept fresh. He's only averaging, you know, 13-14 carries a game. And that's gonna set up well, I think, for him to really be the the game breaker down the, down the stretch this season that the Packers are hoping for.
1: There are those in the Packer fan community who who like to tout uh, Jamal Williams' pass blocking prowess. And uh, I wonder uh, what you would say to those people if if they would ask you, uh, you know, like why would yeah. you why why would you remove like the the protective aspect of his game, especially as we see here in the last two weeks, the um the Packers offensive line not playing bad, but also not playing amazing in terms of pass protection.
3: Yeah, my my counterpoint to that would be was it was either two or three weeks ago. I think PFF had a stat that Jones was their highest graded pass pass blocking running back since midway through 2018. Bam. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Suck on that. I don't think he's <laughs> given sorry. up a pressure all season, uh, in in pass blocking, um, at least as of about two weeks ago. So I don't think you're losing much. Um, you know, Williams is is the bigger, more physical guy, but. Um, Jones has, has really stepped up that part of his game. Obviously he's, he's turned into a, a heck of a receiver. Um, you always saw those skills in his, his wheelhouse, but um, yeah, he's, he's really put it together this year. He's a complete back. Um, and I think the the Packers need to start really featuring him, at least in these big games.
1: Yeah. I want to read part of the, uh, the pull quote that, that you included from uh, Bill Barnwell um, in your piece quote in 180 snaps with Jones in the field and Williams on the sideline, the Packers have averaged 0.22 EPA per play, which would make them the best offense in football on a play-by-play basis. In 127 snaps with Williams on the field and Jones sitting out, though, the Packers have actually been a net negative on offense at negative 0.05 EPA per play. Now, um, if you could... For uh, for the dummies like me, and, and I'm sure many curious Packers fans out there um, hearing these numbers and just kind of wash over them, can you, as Michael Scott would say, explain this to me like, uh, like I'm five. Uh, in terms <laughs> of EPA, what does that metric mean?
3: Yeah, EPA is basically the measure of, um, based on down and distance, um, how likely a team, or how many points a team is likely to score on a given drive. So you can imagine as you make, as you get first downs, as you move the ball towards the end zone, your EPA increases. Um, And so that, that kind of speaks a little bit again to that success rate that I mentioned that you're, you're generally when Jones is getting the ball, he's moving the ball towards the sticks. Um, You know, he's getting, you know, the four or five yards on first down to put yourself in the second and manageable. Uh, He's picking up the the first downs on third and shorts um, and, and, you know, just, just consistently moving that ball down the field. So it's it's really a measurement of, of how consistent your offense is, how well you're moving the chains, combined with uh, with with how your yardage is going. And then as well for Jones, part of that comes in is is the fact that he's doing a great job scoring touchdowns in the red zone because that you know no, that automatically takes your EPA from from whatever to to seven or you know six point nine or, or, or whatever it is once you once you find the goal line. So um, th- those those kind of those two factors are, are the big things in play, I think, for Jones here.
1: So, awesome. That's uh, that's a very clear explanation, actually. Thank you. So, um, so, with Jones on the field and Williams not on the field, 0.22 EPA per play means an expected point. It's about a quarter point per play that he's on the field versus uh, a net negative with just Williams on yep. the field. That does not include, I think you mentioned this in the piece, that does not include... Um, Plays where they're both on the field, right? What do we what do we right. know about the two back sets and how those will or will not sort of affect these numbers?
3: Yeah, we don't have numbers on um, on what that EPA looks like with both guys on the field. Um, anecdotally, it just you know there there have been a handful of plays. There's that uh, that shotgun two back set that, that Lafleur has run a couple times where he gets Jones kind of motioning out of the backfield. Um, you can get that to him on a swing pass. You can fake the swing and kind of run the draw with with Williams. That kind of sets up some options, and I think you have some real big matchup problems with with both of those guys in the field. Unfortunately, I just don't have numbers to to put to that right now.
1: Yeah, Alex, what do you think of this? Uh, uh, you and uh, I, actually, I'm not sure if it was you or Ben banging the drum more for or swishing the drum for those who listened to the <laughs> show last week about Jones getting the the ball more, but certainly this article sort of giving numbers to maybe something that we feel in our bones a little bit, even if we don't understand the metrics.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I think it's really interesting. I I don't, um, we also spent some time last week praising Jamal Williams and like what a good compliment he is to Aaron Jones. But I I mean, I would agree um, now, you know, knowing all these numbers, but even like before that um, with Texas premise, which I, I, I don't think I'm like miscategorizing, your viewpoint on this and that you're kind of like in the crunch time of your season. I think Aaron Jones is the best offensive player they have other than Aaron Rodgers, And that, um, I, I guess the way I would put it is like, no matter what going into all of these games, he should be the focal point of the offense and use Jamal Williams, like when needed, if things aren't necessarily working. Um, cause I think there's a handful of guys in the league that are very clearly like, you know, if you're just tuning in, Um, if you can stomach a non Packers game, um, and, and watching that are just like, it's just so evident that no matter what we're getting the ball in this guy's hands. And that's like probably Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I don't know if Alvin, I wouldn't even say that Alvin Kamara is in that because the Saints are so balanced, but like Aaron Jones, uh, given these, these metrics is clearly like in that category of player. And it never feels like it when you're watching a Packer game because it's like you never even know if he's going to be on the field. You know what I mean? So at, at this point, it's like I completely agree. It's time to just kind of like ramp up the gas a little on on Aaron Jones. But I I would also be interested, and in, I'm glad you asked that Zach because um, you know I was reading it too, and I know that this is like requires a lot more digging. And there's probably not even a sample size for it, but like ways that they can use both guys on the field. Um, because to me, that's like matchup nightmare. And I and I and I don't necessarily think that having two back sets is sacrificing a lot given the depth or lack thereof at receiver. Um, and that both of these guys I think catch the ball well. So I'd be interested to see. But um, you know, like much much like Texas doing, like the Packers probably do a lot of self reflection at this time, and I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they come out and they like just beat us over the head with some Aaron Jones, you know, because 'cause they're probably aware of a lot of these things. But um, yeah, I mean, feed him like he's he's like MVP caliber player, you know. And the Packers haven't had that in the backfield in the Aaron Rodgers era. It's kind of like a nice, refreshing thing um, to realize that like the Aaron Rodgers in the passing game doesn't have to be everything. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about about this. I very much enjoyed your work, Tex. I'm not just sucking up to you, like Zach said. Um, and I think we could all agree that like. The guy just needs the ball, man, because he's all he does is deliver so far when given the opportunity.
1: Tex, all you do is deliver so far uh, with that piece and others. Oh, um, up at the blog AcmePackingCompany.com, uh, we invite the listeners to log on and check that out, and keep it uh, keep it locked in there uh, all season long for the rest of the season as well. For the weekly pieces that uh, Tex you will be doing as well on uh, who to root for, um, as well as all of the other fine work that we have up there. All right, I think that sounds like a good place to pause for just a moment, quick ad break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the listener mailbag and answer some of your
0: burning queries. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: And we'll play just enough of that song so that whoever owns the estate rights on that doesn't, <laughs> I don't get like a cease and desist. I'll be so happy when I finally do get a cease and desist for something that we do on the show. Cause it's like, wow, somebody is like is listening to the show and does not like uh, what we are doing. But at uh, the ABC pod on Twitter is, is where you guys, the listeners can find us as well. The APC podcast at gmail.com. I say it all the time. We don't get that many emails there, although we did get um, some hate mail from a Chiefs fan earlier this year. Send us your, your thoughts there as well. Uh, we're going to open up right away with a, uh, with a heat-seeking missile coming in from Ryan <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> who asks, do you ever have that inkling you're being pranked? Green Bay is eight and two, has a full healthy roster, and we have six winnable games in front of us. Is it wrong to feel like we are about to get hit by a bus we can't hear coming? Uh, Alex, I want to tee that one up for you first. You <laughs> know, last week we talked a little bit about pessimistic Packers fans, but I feel like this one is a little bit more understandable. And uh, and uh, you shouted it out before we we hit record, so uh, give me your thoughts on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, is my answer. I don't feel that way. I don't. I don't understand. Okay, so I I am. I didn't live through like the really bad Packers years. Let me just say that. Like my my only bad Packers memories are really recent of the Mike McCarthy era. And that was short lived. Like I find no reason from what I've seen for this team to think that it's all going to come like collapsing down. Like I, I, I'm not saying they're going to like win out. I'm not saying that I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. but I think that is more likely than them falling apart at this point, given like, the 10 games of evidence they've put on the table. And again, like what I think is funny is that, and we joked about this and you actually mentioned the angry chiefs fan, like look at, like looking across the league at the way other teams are playing and like when they play bad teams and how they, it looks like they can stumble. I'm actually more impressed week after week at the eight wins the Packers have already put together um, than I was when they were happening. Like, the Packers didn't shit the bed against the Broncos. Like the Vikings should have lost that game even though they played really well aside from like one spell. Um the Chiefs like without Patrick Mahomes like hard to beat. Like to, you know what I mean? Like good teams lose to these teams. I think the Packers have put like a really good 10 games on film and and should be trusted at this point. I I have my reservations about the defense. But again, like we every time we talk about that, like I I always counter it with but I think like the worst thing about the defense is the run defense. And in the playoffs, like when things can come crashing down, I don't think teams are going to line up and just like run at you because Rodgers should be theoretically putting up points. So I don't have that feeling. It's a fair question, but I don't get where that that like the Packers don't feel like a fraudulent eight and two team to me. They feel like a solid one. And I think there are some fraudulent like eight, nine win teams um, in this league so far. So, uh, sorry for the long answer, but Tex, what do you think about that? Are you, are you just like waiting for them to finish the season like nine and seven?
1: Like the gift from mean girls (laughs) where she steps into the street and gets hit by the bus. Is that what we're waiting for here?
3: (laughs) Yeah, no. And, and I'm with you, Alex. I, I I might feel a little differently if the Packers were facing like a murderer's row of quarterbacks down the stretch, kind of like the Niners are. I mean, that's, that's part of the reason that I'm, I'm so skeptical of San Francisco right now is they haven't done anything against, you know, a really good offense. Um, The one really good offense and quarterback that they played was Seattle and they lost that game and just look at their next schedule. They've got Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, and then Russell Wilson. Like that's, that's a really rough schedule of of quarterbacks to have to play down the stretch. Um, whereas, you know, for the Packers, the best quarterback they've got left on their schedule is probably Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, you can throw Matthew Stafford, maybe if he's back in week 17, but, um, you know, I haven't seen anything from Jimmy G to make me think he's anywhere near that tier. So no, I think, uh, the schedule sets up well, um, you know, the next four of the next six games are games that the Packers should realistically win based on what we've seen from Green Bay and from the other teams this year. And I think at San Francisco and at Minnesota are probably toss-ups. So you win one of those two, the other four are winnable games, and and you could be looking at a 12-4, 13-3 team.
1: Totally agree. Let's move on uh, to a question coming in from Sam, who says, what's going on with the special teams? Is Ron Zook secretly still coaching them? Alex, I'm going to give you a pass on this because we, we've we talked special teams the last few weeks, but um, Texas, I think your first time on this season, actually. So I want to get your opinion. Obviously, uh, Ronnie Jetsky is no longer at the helm, but what's going on, man, with the special teams?
3: Any chance to to think of Ron Zuck and the Jetski is is worthwhile, but um, no, I, I I don't know. I don't know if there's just not, you know talent on the very bottom end of the roster or if if sean menega is in too deep as a as a full-time special teams coordinator or what it is um it, it does make me think i would have been been happy to see lafleur and company pony up the money for darren Reese from from miami last year yep, yep. um that might feel nice but uh i mean jk's after he's had that really good start to the year he's he's leveled off a little bit maybe not quite as much as he did last year he really kind of nosedived in the second and third months of the season but i mean he's still mostly kicking well he's got the the occasional little little clunker but man the the coverage teams and the penalties and things i i really thought that we were turning a page um when when zook was finally gone and i just i i i don't understand i wish i had <laughs> some semblance of 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 insight here to provide but i just I'm as flabbergasted as anybody. Zach,
2: I think you said it really well last week, or maybe it was the week before. Like it's perplexing because like the specialists are so good on the Packers, are pretty reliable, and their special teams unit sucks. You know, like if you're like playing Madden and you like you get like an overall rating for special teams, it's just like the combined rating of your punter and kicker. Like probably, (laughs) like that's not an issue. Like with this team, their specialists are great, but the units is just like. Just zero faith, abysmal. It's
1: brutal. Yeah, bad, bad returning, uh, bad, bad coverage. But uh, Tex, you know, you, 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 brought up and 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 Ben brought it up, I believe, last week as well that you know Lafleur didn't really get to um get his guy in terms of uh, special teams coordinator, and and I wonder if uh if this off se- this coming off season, now that I think Lafleur can safely say that he's proven that he won't be the weak link in terms of uh, this Packers operation, maybe he gets a shot to, um, to, to bring in some more guys uh, that he is that, that have his, his blessing um, because I I didn't get his guy last off season. Now we got uh, the human thumb. And uh, yeah, the results are not, not positive. Let us move on to a question coming in from Josh who says, granted, I could just be too optimistic, but what's the chance Lafleur has been saving some of the wrinkles, Sternberger in the passing game for one, for a big opponent like this? Seems like a lot of stuff has been set up in recent weeks. Um, Tex, I want to turn that one, that one to you because uh, we talk wrinkles all the time. So give me some wrinkle takes here <laughs> as uh, Lafleur gets ready to go into his first sort of latter half of the season uh, in his Green Bay tenure first year.
3: Yeah, I think any play caller probably has those those couple of crazy crazy calls that they keep in their back pocket that that they want to save for the the really high leverage, um critical situations. I, wrinkles, you got
1: to call them wrinkles. It's a it's a buzzword. <laughs> Hashtag wrinkles.
3: All right, All right my bad. <laughs> um, but no, I mean you you think back to the Philly special in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, right? I mean that's that that came out of nowhere. Um, Pretty wrinkly. It, 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 that that was a really wrinkly play. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be that that level, you know, that deep of a wrinkle. But um, no, I think there's there's probably still some concepts that that he's building towards. And uh, and I'm sure we're going to see, you know, a lot of things that are that are very different in this offense in week 16 against Minnesota than we did in week two, for example. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if some of those he's saving for those divisional games when you're seeing teams again for the second time around um, and then, you know, potentially having some some other things in your back pocket for. a a postseason run especially since since that looks like it's it's going to happen so yeah i'm i'm excited to see sternberger he mentioned specifically um i'm i'm really curious to see what what he can do in this this last six week stretch um especially since it it seems like you know whatever that issue that bob tanyan is is having is is still nagging him to you know to some extent so Um, if Sternberger can, you know, he's been lining up all over the formation. I think, um, I think you're, you're probably right in there, Josh, that, that there is something, something big kind of coming for him, um, in the not too distant future.
1: Yeah. And when, when it was announced that Sternberger was, was coming back, I didn't know what to expect. I think most people, um, didn't expect much. The expectations are low, but then again, the, the Tom Silversteins of the world, the people who are there on the beat watching practice and, and really diving into the film, uh, say, uh, to their surprise that, um, it seems like there's going to be a role for Sternberger here, uh, towards the end of, of his rookie season. So I definitely, um, am excited and interested to see that as well. Alex, give me a wrinkle take.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I You know, it's not a wrinkle, but um, uh, one thing that was popping into my mind while while this discussion was taking place is are the Packers still a really good no huddle team? Like I wouldn't mind. You, know, you remember when Mike McCarthy used to just kind of come out of nowhere and just start a game and no huddle and just be like, you know, let's just let's just fucking do this. Like let's run Aaron Rodgers offense like to start a game or, or, or just like at a kind of like offbeat time during a game. I don't know if I just have to come up with wrinkles. If I'm looking to wrinkle something up, I would just be like, you know what? That's a cool one because they still seem like very effective. Um, so I don't know. Receive on if they you know received to start the game on Sunday. Wouldn't hate seeing that one of those like wide open Aaron Rodgers drives. Um, but that's probably just me just like wanting, you know, as a fan, just like wanting to view that because that's just yep. the most enter- that's football at its most entertaining for me um that's aaron Rodgers football at, at some of some of its most entertaining yeah
3: well and, and you just you just want to see the ball snapped with you know more than four seconds left on the play
2: clock too that's you? a big part of it yeah and and you know the niners <laughs> defense in theory on paper is very good um you know don't let them get into their sub packages and things like that so uh we'll see yeah
1: Tex, I know it doesn't feel this way, but uh, I did an official count of a few games early on in the season. The Packers are snapping the ball more efficiently <laughs> this year. That is with uh, five or more seconds by by my official metric that, that I'm keeping. Uh, more this year than they have in the past, but certainly last week with the delay of game and just yeah. It's just, yeah, you know, you hate to see it. Let's move on. One last question coming in from Craig, and I saved this one for last because we're talking 49ers is the is the Packers game against the 49ers this weekend is a big one and so big that the NFL bumped it into prime time which uh, me Mr. Out of Market fan in Albuquerque New Mexico is very excited about Sunday night (laughs) football right it's the it's the it's the the night game right
3: yep yep
1: excellent Craig wonders how do the Packers match up uh, to the 49ers watching them against Seattle they seemed beatable I want to start Alex with you because you have mentioned sort of offhandedly a few times in the past few weeks that you think not necessarily that San Francisco is is fraudulent but that they seem beatable so it yeah. sounds like you agree with Craig. No, I
2: definitely do I mean um, on paper they're not a great matchup for the Packers because they're a very good run team uh, they run the ball well that is a weakness for the Packers and their pass defense is really good But um, and actually at uh, at the site now, Peter Bukowski wrote about this, um, which is something that has kind of come to the forefront as teams start talking or as people start talking about some of the better teams in the league is that the Niners haven't really played anyone. That was the knock on the Patriots and and their first test. They failed against the Ravens. Well, that's also kind of a knock on the Niners um, because the offensive DVOA that that defense that people are saying is really, really good. Uh, like their opponents this year are really bad. They faced, uh, as tech, Tex mentioned earlier, like the Seahawks are really the only like viable quarterback slash offense that they faced this year. They're fourth in DVOA. They lost that game. Um, every other game this year, they faced a near bottom half of the league. To like, you know, I, I mean, I I'm reading um, Peter's piece right now, but 15th is like the next highest offensive DVOA of any opponent they faced this season. That's not good, you know. Like they've been, they have been essentially just beating up on bad teams, bad quarterbacks, and they have a backloaded schedule. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a winnable matchup for the Packers, certainly from that regard, because I just don't think that they've been tested. And, and furthermore, like the Packers' defense is vulnerable. But again, if 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 they can get in a situation like they have so many times this year, where they start fast. And they don't let teams run and control the ball against them. Jimmy Garoppolo makes a lot of mistakes, right? And the Packers are an opportunistic defense that probably should be even higher ranking in turnovers. Um, but they also, I think lead the league in dropped interceptions and that's, I'm making that up. But I think the combination of Kevin King and Jair Alexander, um, are, are particularly, uh, you know, like, <laughs> uh, dropsy when it comes <laughs> to interceptions. So, um, you know, I and I hate to just boil it down to quarterbacks and just be like overly simplistic, but um I I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo when facing pressure if it's a scenario where like he's got to go down the field, put together a drive to get the Niners back in a game. If it, you know, and if the Packers offense doesn't show up, all that's irrelevant, they'll probably run all over us, but I I see it going more the way of Garoppolo having to have one of his better games to to keep pace with with um, the Rogers, um, and an offense that like you've said many times this year, like put up more than 24 points. You should win the game. You know, like you should be yeah. able to do that yeah. even against good teams. And I think that they might be able to do that against a team that is relatively untested.
1: Yeah. Quick aside. I think anytime you mention Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to end the sentence by saying baby. Ah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right. All right. He's a he's a fraudulent uh, nine win quarterback, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tex, what do you think about how the Packers stack up here against the um, the San Francisco 49ers?
3: Yeah, Alex, I think he hit on most of the points that I was going to touch on. I mean, Garoppolo has been a turnover prone guy. He's thrown 10 picks this year. He's fumbled the ball seven times. So you get him under pressure. Um, and, and he's going to make mistakes. How many of the, how many interceptions did he, should he have thrown against Seattle to clinch that game in the fourth quarter in overtime that just went right through or bounced off the hands of, of Seahawks defenders? Um, it, it looked like he was trying to throw that game away. So, um, yeah, the, the key I think is, is going to be get the offense clicking early and, and LeFleur has shown that he's able to do that with, with those, you know, those first 15 to 20 plays pretty consistently. So you come out if you can get get an early lead, force them to get away from the run game a little bit and and force Jimmy to throw the ball. Um the Smiths are going to get there. Um they they've those that's the perfect recipe for Packers football right now. Is get an early lead, let the guys pin their ears back, um you know and and let Alexander and King make plays on the football uh when when Jimmy throws it up to him. So I I I feel the same way. They're they're beatable. They're they have not really been tested much and um you know Garoppolo is going to give the the defense some chances to to make big game-changing plays. And as long as the Packers win the turnover battle in this one, I think they win it.
1: Garoppolo's beatable, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um before before we we end this uh little choppy post-by-week affair, uh let's get some some predictions. Tex, you mentioned that you, you think, you think the 49ers are beatable. What do you actually think is going to happen? Can Mike Patton dial up something to beat Jimmy Garoppolo, baby?
3: Yeah, I think, I think what I just said is, is exactly what's going to happen. I think, uh, you know, Packers get, get out to a hot start, um, feed Aaron Jones, please. Um, as I've been saying all day and, um, you know, get, get some points on the board early and, and let the guys go to work. Um. I see no reason to as long as we avoid the um, seeing the same sort of California letdown that we had last two weeks ago in in L.A., which I I think LaFleur has has probably learned some lessons there from from that whole experience. And uh, and with with a Sunday night game, I think these guys are going to be dialed in and and ready to go from the jump. So I don't have any any real concerns about that. Um, But, yeah, I like I like Green Bay pulling this one off.
2: What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I, uh, if I, I, I think Tex put it really well. Uh, if I have to sacrifice a road trip to uh, LA against the Chargers to win a game in San Francisco, I'll gladly do that. I don't think the Packers uh, coming off a bye against, you know, in a game of this magnitude um, are going to come out just totally flat. Uh, I see that they open as three point underdogs on the road. So clearly, um, you know, Vegas believes that this is very much a winnable game for the Packers as well. Um, so I, you know, I, I think like, you know, it's probably going to have one of those like 27, 23 type things written all over it. But, um, yeah, unless, unless something goes really wrong on offense, like the Rogers fumble, like sack, you know, uh, you know, sack strips and stuff like that, or maybe an interception. Um, I, I expect the Packers to, to, to win this game and, and, and control it maybe. So, um, yeah, which would then I'm
1: sorry, I started the worst podcast joke of all time, uh, baby
2: puts us in an interesting scenario with uh, the Seahawks in the NFC West, because I don't want them to win the division, but also the Packers need to win. Why why is the NFC so good? (laughs) Yeah, it's brutal. Like there's going to be a 10 or 11 win team that doesn't make the playoffs And the AFC. You got the 5 and 4 or whatever they are Raiders. They're like in the hunt for the a- AFC West. Yep. Against seems supposedly like, uh, one of the better teams in football in the Chiefs. Like come uh, on, man.
1: Seems like uh it, it doesn't always feel that way the first couple of weeks of the season you think it may be different, but by the time we get to this point in the season every year it just feels like it's it's always the same. But um to your earlier point about the Seahawks, um I pointed this out uh last week as ben was saying sort of in a tossed off remark that you know, he might like to see the seahawks in the playoffs because they're they are a good fun team this year i said you may regret saying no. that and no no, uh, no 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 no. i stand by thank you Tex. i thank don't you want the packers <laughs> playoff
2: <laughs> opponents to be fun like yeah. the fun in the playoffs is watching the packers beat a team it's not it's yeah, not it's baby. not even having to worry <laughs> no,
3: none of this none of this embrace the the losing here i i You know, listening to Ben talk about that a little bit last week. I'm like, you know, thinking back, yes, some of my most vivid Packers memories are of losses, but that doesn't mean I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm not pulling for it. Yeah, right. So anyway,
1: Ben, Ben gets the wrong buzzer there. I should have had it at the ready last week, but I now he's not here. I guess it's a little unfair, but nonetheless, he's wrong, baby. i'm sorry all right i'm gonna hit the polka <laughs> we're gonna call that a podcast really quickly before we get out of here uh, every few weeks i like to check in with the apc podcast listener pick them league starting in first place we've got sean williams sean wagner a couple couple two tree shans there in first and second place chris <laughs> pertle matthew soik simon hardy lauren summer Kyle Clifton, Justin Demetz, Mateus Alves, and wouldn't you know it, who is this? Our fearless leader, Evan Tex-Western, breaking into the top ten. Celebrate there on the video chat with your branded merchandise, your SB Nation (laughs) t-shirt.
0: All right, guys, I uh, think—I
1: didn't give my pick, but I do think that the Packers are going to win, baby. So, (laughs) that's— that's uh that's three for three here uh alex tex and myself thinking that the packers are going to win at alex patakis on twitter at tex western on twitter at zach rapport follow the show at the apc pod subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts leave us a rating we read them we love them they brighten our day they help the show and uh follow along at the blog acme for all your packers needs and uh Let's go, Paco. Let's get a win out there. Baby.